Lakuta Sikhis, Volume 21, The Sikha for Parshas Zachar. Title, Eternally Remember to Eradicate Your Amalek. The Shabbat before Purim is called Shabbat Zachar, Shabbat of Remembrance. For on this Shabbat, we read the Torah portion of, quote, You shall remember what Amalek did to you, end quote. Rabbi Avraham Abel Gombinar, known as the Mogin Avraham for his works on the Code of Jewish Law, asks, being that there are six remembrances in the Torah, there's six times where it says remember. It's about the exodus of Egypt, Mount Sinai revelation, Amalek's attack, sin of the golden calf, Miriam's punishment, and Shabbat, so why is it that only for the remembrance of Amalek is there a special Shabbat Torah reading? And the Mogan Avram answers, for Mount Sinai Revelation, we have the holiday of Shavuot. And so too for the Exodus of Egypt, we have Passover. For Shabbat, we have the day of Shabbat. And being that the sin of the golden calf and Miriam's punishment are of a disgrace to Israel, hence nothing specific was instituted for them. However, question, for Amalek's attack, we also have the holiday of Purim, in which the villain Haman, who was a descendant of Amalek, and the entire reason for having Shabbat Zachor, the Shabbat prior to Purim is, and I quote to you from the Talmud, in order that the observance of Purim, the destruction of Amalek, Haman and his 10 sons, should not precede the remembrance of destruction of Amalek by reading its Torah portion. So hence, we must answer the Mogan of Ram's question with saying that there is something uniquely special in the remembrance of Amalek, which there isn't in the other five remembrance. What is this special uniqueness? And here, just want to make a little note. Uh, the Rebbe explains that especially when the other five are the all-encompassing ones of Judaism. Exodus of Egypt is the birth of our nation. Mount Sinai Revelation is our receiving the Torah, the foundation of our people. Sin of the golden calf is the antithesis of I am God, your God, the foundation of the entire religion. Shabbat, I quote you from a book called the Chinuch. He says, is from the roots of this commandment a rope that drags along all the foundations of our religion, it, Shabbat, has in itself. Hence, we see clearly that all of these are fundamental. Miriam's punishment is about the sin of the evil tongue. I quote you from the Talmud, anyone who speaks malicious speech increases his sins correspond to the three cardinal transgressions idol worship and forbidden sexual relations and bloodshed. And another Talmud says about this sin, three sins from which a person is not spared each day, they are, and the third one is, malicious speech. So these are all fundamental, all-encompassing remembrances. While seemingly remembrance of a Amalek is not all-encompassing, hence we go back to our question, what is the special uniqueness about the remembrance of Amalek. The question thickens. The purpose of remembering Amalek is that you shall obliterate Amalek, 
which is impossible today because one, only when majority of the number and structure of the children of Israel are settled in the land of Israel, and two, Sancherev, a an emperor upon conquering the world, confused the world by relocating each and every nation out of their land, and hence the present law of each and every Gentile follows the majority of the entire human race, which are not Amalekites. Therefore, presently, there should be no purpose to remembering Amalek since we cannot obliterate them. And nevertheless, we do read the portion and name the entire Shabbat as Shabbat Zachor, meaning that the remembering in itself, even though we can't obliterate, is a commandment on its own and is uniquely special among all the six remembrances. And so we find that Maimonides counts the remembering and the obliteration of Amalek as two separate commandments with two separate essences in which the obliteration is not a commandment on the individual but on the public and is dependent on many conditions not present today. While the remembrance is upon the individual and continuous, always. The explanation. The essence of Amalek is, I quote, someone who knows his master and yet willfully rebels against him, capital H, God. Therefore, before the Jew can fulfill the obliteration of Amalek, he must first make sure that there is no remembrance of Amalek within himself even in its most refined form. For it is possible that there should be a Molech within a Jew. As explained in Hasidus, when it talks about the seed, the offspring, the seed of a Molech, mystically that refers to that which a Molech had sown within the Jew. So when the Jew fulfills, you shall remember what the inner Amalek did to you, this creates an obliteration and nullification of his inner Amalek. Specifically so, when the remembrance is through reading it in the Torah. For the Jerusalem Talmud states, I quote, on the verse I am calling to Almighty God, to the God who decides with me, end quote, meaning that a ruling of the Torah has God deciding with it, even in changing the physical laws of nature in order to match the Torah ruling. Hence, having the remembrance through reading it in the Torah transforms the very physical Amalek within his being. And with this, we will also understand why, according to most halacha codifiers, reading the portion of remembrance of Amalek in the Torah is a Torah, a biblical mitzvah, not just a rabbinical one. The difference between a biblical mitzvah versus a rabbinical mitzvah is that the rabbinical mitzvah is upon the person. And hence, the Talmud in Avodah Zarah states, I quote, the statements of your beloved ones, Rashi says this means the words of the scribes, meaning the rabbinical mitzvot, are more pleasant to me than the wine of the written Torah, the biblical mitzvot itself, is in regards to the person, 
in showing his one yearning to be a servant of God, doing additional ordinances from the sages. And number two, it shows the scrupulous observance in adding rabbinical buffer zones around the original biblical boundaries. And third, the biblical mitzvot affecting the world carries its physical merits of good fortune openly, which then may hinder the person's pure acceptance of doing God's mitzvah, while not so with the rabbinical mitzvot. Hence, when the Talmud says that it is sweeter to God, the words of his children, the sages, than it is his own mitzvot, this refers to in the person, the person's um, observing the mitzvot. However, concerning the object, it is the biblical mitzvah that have the power, mitzvot that have the power of the Torah, which affects the physical object in which the forbidden object becomes abominable. As the Talmud says, the peace itself becomes despicable, non-kosher. Therefore, by making the remembrance of Amalek through reading it in the Torah a biblical mitzvah, the very act of remembrance now creates a physical obliteration of the inner Amalek. It's not just about the person fulfilling his obligation of service, but rather a biblical mitzvah creates a physical change, the obliteration of one's inner Amalek. The reason why the mitzvah of remembering Amalek is continuous always is not because a Jew, God forbid, continuously is someone who knows his master and yet willfully rebels against him. However, in its most refined state, this Amalek paradigm can continuously fight within us. On the verse in Exodus where it says, For there is a hand on the throne of yud Hey." a war for God against Amalek. Our sages state, quote, His name is not complete, God's name, until the name of Amalek is completely obliterated. Meaning that God's complete name, which is yud Hey and vav Hey. However, Amalek causes that there is a hand upon only the yud Hey, while the latter and lower vav Hey is fought against by Amalek. Questions. Number one, why is Amalek not fighting against the entire name? Number two, if Amalek were to fight only against part of the name, it should have been against the yud Hey. For, one, the yud Hey in itself is still one of the seven name, non-erasable names, even without the yud Hey vav Hey. And number two, yud Hey is the higher half of the name, while the vav Hey is but the lower half. The explanation to this is that within the name of God, the yud Hey represents wisdom and understanding. Someone who knows his master, which Amalek is okay with. It is specifically the vav Hey which represents the emotions, thoughts, speech, and action which Amalek wages war against, willfully rebels against him, God. In other words, the seed of Amalek within us is a lack of accepting the yoke of God, the obedience and the self-nullification which drives every drop of knows his master into feeling love and awe for God and to physically serving God. This also explains why the attack of Amalek happened as a preparation to our receiving the Torah. 
When Moses came up to receive the Torah, the angels cry, cried out, and I quote to you from the Talmud and Tractic Shabbat, a hidden treasure, referring to the Torah, give your majesty above the heavens, meaning that not only does the Torah not belong within the physical earth, but even not in the spiritual heavens, but rather it belongs only above the heavens, above the intellect, which is the heaven spirituality of man. It is only through the nullification of the Amalek paradigm when the knowing influences the actions bringing a completion of God's name, including the vav that we can dissipate the cries of the angels bringing about that the Torah is given here below within the physical. Now we understand the unique specialty to the remembrance of Amalek. For only this remembrance is the prerequisite to receiving the Torah at all. Before a Jew can receive the Torah, he must first obliterate his inner Amalek, which blocks the flow and influence of the intellect to the emotions and actions. And through our present observance of the remembrance of inner Amalek, which brings about the obliteration of the inner Amalek, we will merit to observe the mitzvah of appoint a king, meaning King Mashiach, who will verify who is Amalek, victoriously wage the war upon Amalek, and then build the third and final holy temple.